on the pitch. Swing and a base hit to left center field. Hank Amelia's going to score. This game is over. On an RBI hit by Mickey Poe. All right, what's up, everybody? This is Pat Gordon, the Philadelphia Baseball Review. Glad you could join me here for the podcast. What an absolute disaster. I mean, there's not another word to put there. Absolute disaster this year for the Phillies. 2020 season in the books. What a disaster. It will be remembered for many reasons. Many of them very, very bad. You got a bullpen with a 7-plus ERA, the worst in 90 years. You have a team that just was dead for the final week of the season played with no emotion no energy you have Aaron Nola supposed to be the ace came up so lame his last three starts uh, particularly in the finale there against the Rays yesterday on Sunday just disgusting all all around And, and now we sit here looking to pick the pieces up and there's so many to things to think about here. I mean, you have Matt Klintzak, the general manager. Is he coming back? I, I, I mean, I wouldn't think so. Uh, I think some some changes need to happen in that front office. I think Klintzak and McPhail both are, are rightfully so feeling the heat right now. But on the field, you have a catcher in JT Realmuto who I, you know, is going to get 25 mil a year and, and is deservedly so. But the Phillies aren't necessarily in a position to sign him at this point. There's way too many holes in the rest of the team. And they're already up against the luxury tax and and, and going over uh, and paying more money. And Middleton, you know, although he said he's willing to do it, if the club is a step away from the World Series, I don't know that this club is a step away from the World Series. There are too many holes to fill in that regard. And I know signing Real Muto is the thing that everybody wants. But look, you have some other issues on this team. You have a a starting rotation that beyond Nola, Wheeler, and Eflin, who came on at the end and looked legit, you have a ton of question marks at the back end that you're going to need to fill. You have a bullpen that is literally the worst bullpen baseball has seen in the last 90 years. Something has to happen there. And the issue is the farm system is so barren that I don't think they have the arms right now to just plug in there. You know, yesterday, Bryce Harper, uh, you know, following the loss on Sunday yesterday, mentioned, you know, you build the bullpen from within. And he's right. You know, when teams go out and spend all kinds of money on the bullpen in the offseason, it's a crapshoot. It really is. You know, I spoke with many sources, many uh, general managers, and many, many scouts where. They're scared to put money into the bullpen because every year there's so much volatility. You just don't know what you're going to get. So in turn, it makes sense for bullpens to be built via arms from the farm system. Look at Tampa Bay. Look at Atlanta. That is how they do it. I don't see the arms right now here in Philadelphia that can just come up and make a difference immediately in the bullpen. You have Connor Brogdon. You know, he looked great. You got Ranger Suarez, you know, looks good at times. You know, there's just too many things there. So 
All right, let's let's reset here. So we know JT Real Muto. All right, we know that's that's an issue. We know the starting rotation. We know the bullpen. What are you going to do in center field? Has Adam Hazley or Roman Quinn done enough to secure a starting position on this team? To me, no. No, not yet. Roman Quinn, injury concern constantly. Adam Hazley, just defensively, just not there yet. Not at the major league level. He is not somebody you want to have out there, uh, you know, in a in a tight situation. Then you come back to the infield. You have shortstop, Didi Gregorius, fantastic season. What he's he's done. His contract's up. He's a free agent. Or Phil's going to look at bringing him back. I doubt it, but that's a huge hole. So, again, there's just so many things that this team needs right now. And then you look at the standings, right? You have Atlanta, all right? They're not going anywhere anytime soon. Miami, all right? They have the 27th highest payroll, I think, in baseball. Everybody wrote them off. Phillies are looking up at them. Miami's playing in the postseason tomorrow. The Phillies are at home. I'm telling you right now that Miami team is built solidly. And that's going to be a problem for the Phillies. And then you have the Mets, who, yes, they're the Mets. But either way, it's not as if the Phillies are steps uh, you know, above where the Mets are right now. And, oh, by the way, last year's World Series champions, who had a couple of players opt out, some injuries. Yeah, they finished last in the NL East this year. I, I guarantee they won't be there next year. So... What do you do? What do you do? If, if you're John Middleton today, the Monday following the, the, the debacle down in Tampa Bay, what is your first inclination? What is the first thing you do? And you cannot fault Joe Girardi for any of this this season. You just can't. You just can't. I mean, this team has played lifeless in September for the last three seasons. This isn't something new. Um, just many players were asked yesterday about that and and they they don't have an answer I don't think anybody does but you cannot blame Joe Girardi for this streakiness of a a ball club and you know yesterday you know must win game you're bringing Hector Neris in and what what inning was it the 6th 5th you have no faith in anybody out there. Zach Eflin, who would have been the game one starter if the Phillies would have reached the postseason, you know, had to come in to clean up for Nola. So, again, you you're, you find yourself in this position where if the Phillies were to play on Tuesday, what, what would that game look like? Who's starting that? And there were many times talking with, with Girardi throughout the season in, in the pregame availability where you could tell he didn't have a plan for the following day. And he couldn't. Because so much of what was happening, especially for the final month, was based on, you know, we got to see how today goes. And, you know, you can't succeed that way. You can't be fly by the seat of your pants. And again, it was no fault of Girardi's. It was just you had no idea night to night what you were going to get from your starting pitching and or your bullpen. Now, later this week, I'm sure we'll hear from you know the front office and they'll talk about you know how the season went. And I hope 
that nobody tries the cop out of well injuries or COVID or this or that because that impacted every team. There were teams that had you know players opt out, superstars opted out, teams had injuries. That's not something that you can sit there and say, well, this is why we performed so poorly this year. You know, I don't have the number right in front of me. They the, the Phillies had a lead in something like 43 of the 60 games they played or something. Think about that. 43 games thereabouts with a lead. 43 games or so with a lead. And, you know, to lose, you know, about 20 of those games is just, it's mind-numbing to think about. It, It really is. I mean... We'll never, hopefully, we'll never see a bullpen like this the rest of our lives. Hopefully, we won't have to sit through Adam Morgan, followed by Workman, followed by, you know, you name anybody coming out of that pen, you know, Blake Parker or, or anybody else, you know, and, and, you know, have that gut feeling. Knowing that, well, there we go. I mean, it was almost comical. It would turn into, on Twitter, well, the Phillies will need to get 12 outs tonight from the bullpen. The Phillies would need to get, well, eight outs tonight from the bullpen. And you knew, you just knew you had that sinking feeling, this is not going to work. This is not going to work. Now, I will say this, looking back here at the bullpen. So, they finished with a 7.06 ERA. Terrible. Worse, again, 90 years. Now, although they do deserve a lot of blame, there was some bad luck in there as well. All right, if you take a look at the uh, XFIP, so taking into consideration here, uh, based only on the the uh, you know efforts of the pitcher, all right, their expected ERA should have been 4.61, which means defensively there was no help, which is true. Defense was a liability for much of the season this year, especially in the outfield. But then also if you take a look at BABIP, right, batting average balls in play, <laughs> the Phil's bullpen had a BABIP of 376. Totally unlucky. Totally unlucky. That number should usually be around 290 all right, on average. So to have a BABIP of 376, you know, you can tell you were snake bitten. All right. But there were just too many walks. Uh, the homers, you know, uh, more than two home runs per nine innings out of the bullpen. Um, it just, it's a disaster. And, um, you know, again, depending on what Middleton decides to do, whether it's a total restructuring of the front office and Clintac is sent on his way, or, or I believe less likely, but if Clintac stays, there's some difficult question marks. Now, let's go back to JT Romuto. Bryce Harper on Sunday basically said there is no way that 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 Romuto should be able to walk away from this organization. He's the best catcher in baseball right now. The Phillies need to sign him. And he was extremely adamant, very uh, you know strong wording, um, you know very you know forceful with it, and and I can get it. And he has made that a point all season long. Uh, you recall earlier in the year, 
you know, during some of the scrimmage games and, and uh, you know, when they were, you know, the workouts at Citizens Bank, you know, um, real uh, Harper would make that gesture like he, as if he was signing a check in the air. You know, as a sign to, you know, the organization, Clintac and company, you know, you better get on get, getting this guy locked up. Um, so Harper, again, last night on Sunday was very adamant the Phillies need to, to sign him. The Phillies had a small window to do that, and that was back in spring training in March. And then COVID hit. And basically what happened from there, Major League Baseball said, look, teams and players are not allowed to discuss baseball, you know, contractual-related issues um, during COVID, during this during this shutdown. So the Phillies weren't able to open or reopen negotiations with JT until – um, things resumed like a couple days before things resumed uh, for spring training for summer camp, spring training 2.0 at Citizens Bank Park. And it was at that point that Clintac and Real Muto both said, Look, we really don't want to talk. It was Real Muto. We don't, you know, I'm not interested in discussing this. Please respect that, whatever. Um, and then talking with Matt Clintac, he mentioned how, you know, look, we, we, JT's a, great player we we would love to keep him we want him here um you know we just didn't have you know the, we couldn't talk obviously during you know the covid shutdown but he mentioned something there clintech that really struck me and that was given what has happened with covid we just don't know the financial ramifications of everything we just don't know where things will be financially um and that makes me wonder you know we, we went from Middleton talking about stupid money to now are we going to you know pull that in which would make sense a little bit to pull that in given you know they, they had to run at a loss this year with no fans obviously but how's that going to impact what they do on the free agent market how's that going to impact what they do with signing players long term deals you know, uh, are, are, are they going to, you know, go back to to crying poor and, and not spend money or, or, or what? And this isn't just the Phillies. This is everybody. But with that said, there will be teams. You know the, the Yankees, the Dodgers, who have already done it, that are still going to throw money around. There will be teams that will still, financial ramifications or not, we're going for it. You just don't know at this point where... John Middleton and the Phillies are going to fall on that pendulum. Are they going to be okay going up against that tax? Um, are they going to, you know, feel confident that they can, you know, make a run? I mean, look, it's embarrassing. You, you think about it this year, eight teams making the postseason. You're not one of them. When you have the sixth or seventh largest payroll in all of baseball, that's embarrassing. We started the day off. That's a disaster, which it is. You're paying that much money, and then you're watching the Marlins put on postseason shirts. You go to Tampa Bay, final game of the season, don't score a run against a team that had everything locked up already. <laughs> there's there's some problems, and um, you know if you look at from Joe Girardi's point of view, I don't know what more he could have done. You know, he mentioned earlier in the year, especially, I think it was in reference to the bullpen, 
these are the guys I have. And, you know, it takes a season or two or three for a uh, you know, season or two for a manager to kind of put their signature on a club. And I think that probably was difficult for Girardi this year. I mean, given that, you know, it's an immediate sprint, given that you had expectations that you were going to you know, reach the postseason. Um, you know, so, again, I, I don't think you can make a judgment one way or another necessarily on Joe Girardi's performance this year. Um, you know, me personally, I, I love Joe Girardi. I think he's he's a baseball guy. He understands the world of analytics, but he's not Gabe Kapler-esque in a sense that, well, you know, what does every number say? What does every metric say? Let's create our new metrics. Uh, you know, let's play the percentages down to the decimal point. That's not Joe Girardi. He's aware of the stuff. He understands it. He's now very, very knowledgeable, extremely intelligent. But that's not his world. He's more, what do I see? What's happening? Yeah, we'll play the matchups, but I'm not going to become beholden to what a computer tells me to do. And not only that, he just very open, very, you know, sharing of information. Um, you know, just all around, I, I think he's, you know, going to endear himself here in Philadelphia. And I think the fans will get to see that hopefully next year, you know, when things uh, ideally return to normal. So, again, you're, if you're looking for blame, it has to go in that front office. I mean, they entered the season knowing that this bullpen, it wasn't just like they had one or two question marks. It was, in, it was a, a whole troop of question marks. So, to, to sit here and think that that somehow would fix itself is a bit beyond me. And then also... You know, Clintac making the moves to bring, you know, Workman here and Phelps and all at the, at the trade deadline and, and basically all those moves blowing up in his face. Um, you know, that's troublesome. It's troublesome. It really is. And on top of all of that, you think about the Marlins sitting there right now in the postseason with Sixto Sanchez in their rotation probably for the next five, six, seven years. I mean, what 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 does Clintac have to show for this if if Real Muto walks? Not a winning season. No postseason appearances. Nothing. Nothing. You 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 have nothing to show. So again, a disaster of a season. So I am not a fan of this expanded playoff format, I, I am more of a purist. I, I like it. Hell, I didn't even like the wild card until recently. So, you know, I, I hope this eight-team format isn't something that stays, although I think it probably will, at least for next year, because I know teams are looking to, you know, the TV deals and, and to, to save or make money. But either way, um, I don't know where right now – the Phillies will go for next season. I don't know if they're going to be a team that's going to go and be a contender or a team that's going to, hey, we need to you know, look at rebuilding. I mean, you look at the plus of the season, you know, the good things, Alec Baum, he looks like a legitimate stud in the middle of that lineup. Somebody that the Phillies can depend on to drive in 80 runs, hit 20 homers, and play adequate defense. He looks great. 
I think that's a win for the Phillies there. I do. I think Zach Eflin coming on, especially at the end of the season, um, and, and seeming to mature a bit, uh, you know, with his pitches. You know, he mentioned, uh, you know, at one point that, that he kind of, I, I forget his exact wording, but I, I stopped babying my curveball. And, you know, I think he's coming into his own. And, uh, you know, maybe Brian Price, the pitching coach, has something to do with that. But either way, I think Eflin, especially his performance down the stretch here, uh, another positive for the Phillies to build off of. Beyond those two, it's tough. I mean, Scott Kingery, again, still the jury's out. If anything, I feel like he regressed a bit this year. No fault of his own, really. I mean, he was struck with COVID, uh, had some issues there. I get it. So, you know, will, will he open the season in the starting lineup? Andrew McCutcheon. You know, McC- I, 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 although McC- McCutcheon said that he started the season feeling well, it didn't look that way. It, it looked like he was slow on, um, you know, his, his, his giddy up. It looked like he was unsure at times of the, of his, the, the path to take towards some fly balls. It just looked like it was taking a while for him to get his feet under him. He didn't seem to have the explosiveness yet. So although he said he was good, I really have to wonder. And I think he will be in a much better spot next season. But he will be a year older. Um, That said, though, Joe Girardi said the other day that he firmly believes McCutcheon still absolute starting outfielder uh, at the major league level. So, you know, another area, too, cause for concern, I think, a little bit would be the play of Mickey Moniak. So he was brought up, you know, near the end of the season, uh, eight games, but he looked just totally overmatched out there. Uh, hit 214, looked very, very poor in the outfield, a couple bad throws. Uh, so he definitely caused for concern there. Uh, and the other one, Spencer Howard. You know, Spencer Howard came into the season, you know, as, as the Phil's top pitching prospect and really just did not look comfortable at all. Um, Post an ERA, I believe, close to six. Uh, you know, the strikeouts, you know, weren't really there. The walks were there. Um, it just did not look did not look good. I believe it was six starts. And, uh, you know, again, could you look at him at the back end of the rotation next year? I mean, possibly, but I, I, I wouldn't feel confident yet. Um, with him back there. So, again, the Phils are in a position where, you know, that youth, the Moniac, the Spencer Howard, you got to ho- you have to hit with some of these, right? And it looks like they did with Alec Baum. It looks like he's going to be a legit stud for a while. But you need more than that. And and the Phillies have just been putrid over the last couple of years at, at pitching and, and, and growing talent internally. And that's something that really has to change for this organization to, to turn a corner. It really has to. You cannot just continue to have, you know, the, the Vince Velasquez's and even Zach Eflin. Like, okay, you know, he's been here for a while. He's grown. But, I mean, at best, Zach Eflin's a three, right? I mean, at best, uh, Nick Pavetta, another one where we, we, you know, had him for so long. Tried to, to, to get him right. Couldn't do it. And think back to all of the other arms that we've heard 
you know, great things about and, and just either fizzled, never made it, or just turned into eh, the best they are. It's a long reliever, right? I mean, they really need to evaluate what's going on there at the farm system because for this, things to change, um, you know, the, the, the farm system has to be a part of this. The Phillies are not going to be in a position where they're just going to outspend everybody like the Yankees or the Dodgers. It's not going to happen. You need to build some talent from within. And that's something right now, you know, you look at most projections, you know, and farm system rankings, the Phillies are, you know, in the bottom tier. And, uh, you know, it's not good when financially you're, you're kind of strapped at the major league level with holes and then your farm system is in the bottom tier. That traditionally means things are going wrong. And it's not as if there's going to be salary dumps or anything like that. That, that doesn't happen. You know, I think also next year is going to be a huge year for Reese Hoskins. And, you know, he hit 240 this year. Um, he needs to do better. He has to do better. He knows it. Um, but for him to take that next step, and for him to be, you know, looked at as not necessarily an elite first baseman, but to be looked at as even, you know, a top top ten first baseman, I think he has to take that jump next season. Uh, still uncertain whether he's going to have Tommy John surgery or not on his um, on his elbow. The good news is it's is non throwing hand, so if he does it. it Surgery will, you know, he'll be back early next season. Not necessarily saying he'll be ready opening day, but he'll be back next season. It's totally not like a pitcher, you know, where they got to sit out for, you know, for a long period of time. So, you know, Hoskins uh, is definitely somebody that next year I feel like it's it's make or break. So, you know, again, you throw another question mark over there at first base, and um, there's way too many of those on this team right now. So. We will see what comes over the coming uh, days with regard to the future of Matt Clintack and Andy McPhail in the front office. Um, I really think if if you were to force me to make a choice now, I think Clintack and McPhail both are gone. I think they're both given their, their papers. I think John Middleton has seen enough um, you know, to not have a winning season in nine years to... You know these September collapses to have the, the the chance to get into the postseason basically on your doorstep yesterday, and all you had to do was win, and to not come through in that moment, I think that may have sealed the deal there. Uh, John Middleton strikes me as somebody that wants to win and win now. He does. Um, yes, he's very adamant about not going over the luxury the, the luxury threshold. Unless it's going to be for sure, like we're taking a serious shot at the title, but he, you know, has has brought a lot to this organization. Uh, you know, the entire staff with sabermetrics and analytics—they're doing things. It's not as if it's, you know, well, we'll just throw out the same thing next year and hope things change. No, not at all. Middleton is doing things. It's just. You need to get the right people in place. You need to make the right in-season moves. And so, you know, during Clintac's time, I, you know, although Gregorius, great signing, um, you know, and there's been a few others, I think the, the misses, 
at this point far outweigh the hits. And I think the bullpen was a calamity going forward. Everybody knew it. And to just kind of enter the season knowing this is a weak point and then to finish the season from the outside looking in and to know that you blew leads in 20-plus games during the regular season, that's a problem. And I don't think that's something John Middleton will um, overlook. So I think your questions about outfield, your questions about catcher, your questions about the starting rotation, the questions about the bullpen, I think it's all going to start with what Middleton decides to do in the front office. And, again, I think if Middleton is going to make a move, it's going to be quick because there are so many holes, and this offseason is going to be so unique based on financial ramifications of COVID and how unique things are going to be. This is going to be a tight spot for any GM to come into. But I think it has to happen. I think Middleton will make it happen. I think within the coming days, there will be um, an announcement regarding the future of Matt Klintak here in Philadelphia. I will put out another podcast probably later in the week or if some you know other announcement you know <laughs> pops up uh in the interim though be sure to follow me on twitter p gordon pbr also be sure to visit you know philadelphiabaseballreview.com for all the latest in news and notes uh surrounding baseball here in the philadelphia area we'll be undergoing some maintenance over the coming days just kind of tinkering with the site a bit now that the off season is upon us um, but definitely feel free to uh, to peruse the site. Also, real quick, wanted to make it known, if if you're not already, hop on and subscribe to our mailing list. You can do that. Uh, there's a link in my Twitter uh, bio uh, where you can also visit the website. There's a link at the top of the page. I encourage you to subscribe to our newsletter, sending out daily um, you know, insights about baseball in Philadelphia. Probably you can go to maybe twice a week during the offseason. Um, but a good way to keep up to date with what's happening in um, you know, in, in the majors, but also down in the minors, college level, and so forth here in Philadelphia. So with that said, again, I appreciate the time. Thank you for listening. Feel free to subscribe. Make sure you do uh, either through Apple or Spotify or um, SoundCloud. Make sure you hit up the subscribe button. And I appreciate you uh, listening. Feel free to share with others. And um, you'll be hearing from me soon.